Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast, a special Saturday edition of the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 130. Emmanuel Vincent. Um, I meant to put this episode out yesterday, but I was in the process of traveling as I'm actually now in Dallas uh, for the Patriots games tomorrow. Um, so I'm getting actually getting getting to it now to put this episode up. And boy, I just hope the Pats win, at, at least make it um, competitive. Uh, but only time will tell. Um, so this episode is a two-part episode, uh, which focuses on news that broke out in the NBA and WWE uh, this week uh, regarding Dame Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, being traded for the Milwaukee, being traded rather to the Milwaukee Bucks. After the whole time, everybody thought that he would end up with the Miami Heat. He is a Milwaukee Buck now. Um, it was clear that the Portland Trailblazers just weren't really. Um, intrigued at all what the package that Milwaukee offered and rather than um, giving in to a superstar's demand they waited and waited uh, to see if another team would, would try to enter the sweet stakes even though Dane made it clear that he wants to play only in Miami um, and because uh, quite frankly we're used to seeing superstars get their way in this player empowerment era but now Dame is teaming up with Giannis to be one of the most potent duos in the league and arguably a favorite to win the championship. Um, and part two focuses on uh, Jade Cargill signing with WWE, a multi-year contract with a promotion. Um, sent shockwaves through social media, um, did crazy numbers. Um, and it wasn't your typical rollout for a new star, ever new, rather restless um, to the WWE roster. But Jade actually is a star. Um, she has the look. She has the charisma. Needs more work in the ring. But I think that with WWE, she is going to get the necessary reps to become a full package star. Um, so these um, interviews were recorded earlier in the week. Um, so for the Dame Lillard conversation, I tapped in with my man, Daniel Daly. And um, with the Jade uh, convo, I reached out to Burley. And we just had um, two really good, um, intriguing, insightful um, interviews. So we can actually get into it right now. Here it is. So the news that shocked the NBA world uh, yesterday, Dame Dame Dollar got traded, but not to the Heat. He's going to Milwaukee. Um, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news that he's going to be paired up with Giannis um, and not uh, Jimmy Buckets and Bam? Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first reaction I had because um, you knew the talks with Miami had cooled down, and especially with uh, the offers that they were getting with Tyler Hero and a couple of picks like that. I'm like, there's just nothing that Miami has right now um, that can really entice uh, the Portland Trailblazers to trade day into them. I didn't see that. Maybe if a third team got involved and they had some more picks and stuff like that going their way, I thought that was the only way that that was even potentially even going to happen. Um and honestly, Miami, from their standpoint, they gave that up in the Kyle Lowry deal, um, giving up Princess Achua a couple picks there to Toronto. So they already used their assets the season before. So it was like I really didn't see the Miami being in play. So now I started looking around Philadelphia, the whole James Harden thing. It's like nothing's there. 
Um, you start looking around the league, and it's like, I don't know where he's going to go. Just from an asset standpoint, who's going to take on that contract? And then out of nowhere, <laughs> like a thief in the night, the Milwaukee Bucks come in, um, trade a couple picks, uh, trade uh, Drew Holiday to uh, to Portland, and then they even send uh, Yusuf Nurkic to Phoenix, which I didn't see. I was like, they had to have been the third team in there to entice uh, Portland to make a trade there. And then and Milwaukee was able to have the assets there just enough, able to find a third team and get it done. But it's like Damon Giannis um, – it's definitely something that we haven't seen before. <laughs> so um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you look, if you think about it, neither Dame or Giannis has ever had the luxury of having a superstar teammate and how they both nope. get that in Milwaukee. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is going to be a problem for the rest of the league. I'm not ready to like jump the gun and say they're going to, they should be the uh, prohibited favorites to win the championship. I think they are right up there with Boston as a, a favorites in the Eastern conference. Um, can they potentially win the championship? I can see that happening. I mean, I know they got a, a new rookie head coach in, in Griffin, um, but having st- that, that star power right there with Giannis and Dame is it's, it, it can be special. I know, and, and Drew Holiday was a very, very crucial part to that team, especially that championship they won back in twenty and twenty one. Um, mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna, your defense is gonna take a hit on the perimeter, but at the same time, you do have Brook Lopez and Giannis that can. I want, I want to they can make up for, it, but they can cover some of those weak spots. Both being elite defensive players, Giannis. Uh, our former defensive player of the year uh, award winner and Brooke, I believe, finished second last season. So they can kind of help amass that those deficiencies that they have right there on the perimeter. But I think that with a player like Dame Dollar, one of the top a top 75 player of all time and one of the best scoring guards right now and of all time, I don't see how you pass up an, an opportunity. Um, no, not at all. Especially looking at now it's not all on Giannis. It's not all on uh, Damian Lillard when he was in Portland. Now they can feed off each other. Um, they have another late guy um, that they can give the ball to in clutch situations, not just Chris Middleton creating the shots and creating opportunities. Dame is probably the best in the game at that, right? Like when you think about clutch moments and stuff like that, regular season, big time shots, the ability to step up in those moments, he's probably probably top two, right? Like you don't think of many, you don't get to many names before you get to him in those clutch situations. So that takes a breather off Giannis in those late game situations to make something happen, make a clutch shot and get in those situations. So definitely them pairing off. It's kind of like, uh, again, they don't, they don't have to, it, it's not all on their shoulders. We saw in the playoffs last year, especially with uh, Giannis's injury in the first, uh, the first round series against Miami, just looking at that, it was like, he's not a hundred percent. The Bucks struggled. Right. Like you can tell there was something different about their team. They didn't have that impact that Giannis usually has on the games when he returned. And when you saw when it was on Chris Middleton, when it was on Drew Holiday, they kind of struggled. And even in the last playoffs, even with Drew Holiday, he struggled in the playoffs a little bit, but it was able to find and have those moments. And just last year, the unfortunate injury with Giannis is just like, okay, we obviously need to upgrade here, even with all the injuries last year with Giannis and stuff like that. Uh, I believe the Bucks finished fourth in defense. So looking at from that standpoint, you know they needed something offensively. And Dame averaging, what, 32 points last year? Definitely boosts their offense to a different dynamic. It gives them a different element. Gives them a scoring punch that they desperately needed somewhere else. Because sometimes Chris Middleton, especially last year coming off injury, um, you needed offense somewhere else. You needed some type of different dynamic, especially with Mike Budenholzer at the helm doing different things offensively um 
So to see Dame come in there, that I think that's gonna he's gonna fill that void tremendously for them um, that they desperately need. Exactly, because I think the last season they were middle of the pack on offense. I mean, the fifth hit an offense. So you gotta <laughs> imagine that with Dame, that they're gonna just jump right up there, um, closer to like probably top five, top ten range, range I would think, um, in offense. And I, even I think even with um, a healthy Giannis, um, the deficiency that the Bucks had on offense was they have to half-court execution, especially in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So now with Dame, that is going to be eradicated, I think, for the most part. They were going to be so much more efficient in the half-court offense with Dame there because of his ability to stretch the defense and everything, which opens up, which opens up the, the length of Giannis to do, mm-hmm. do his thing. Yeah, most definitely, um, especially the pick-and-roll situations. Uh, we saw Giannis in a couple pick-and-roll situations, but now he has a real partner that can create havoc off of those where guys were kind of just sinking into Giannis, filling up that that uh, the the rolls to the basket and stuff like that. Now you can't do that. You have to really pick your poison with this team um, that has uh, Pat Connington around him, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton. Now you add Damian Lillard. So in those situations when Giannis gets the ball and goes to the basket, you choose to get in front of him. He's going to have shooters. They're going to have options to create more than ever. And that's not to say Drew Holiday wasn't good on the catch and shoot. I believe I think he shot forty two percent, if I'm if I remember that correctly, uh, on catch and shoot situation. So to get that and go to Damian Lillard and especially have that creation off the uh, off the dribble, it takes it to a different level. <laughs> it just takes their offense to a different level. Um, that Giannis didn't have that freedom before, and even on Dame Lillard, he never had a guy like that before. He's a, the best preparing partner he had was C.J. McCollum. And to go from CJ to McCollum to go to Giannis Antetokounmpo, MVP, finals MVP champion, he must be relieved. Even though it's not Miami, he's got to be relieved. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Dame's a, Dame's a winner. He has a winning mentality. So I, I can't see him being, like, too upset, essentially, at um, where he eventually landed up. I know that he wanted to be in Miami. There, that was talks about that all summer long. That, and it seemed like that was the place he was going to go, especially now in this player empowerment era that we living in where essentially mm-hmm. it seems like every superstar, when they want out and when they want to go to a specific location, they usually get their way. But in this case, it didn't happen. But at the same time, he is going to a, tempi- a, a situation where he is going to be a prohibited favorite uh, for the next several years if they stay together. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, even when uh, just, there was just a report that the – the Blazers GM, I think they were saying that Dame wanted to rescind his offer, his trade request, if it wasn't to Miami. And he basically told him there's no going back now on that situation. So I just saw that. And just to think about that is just like, I can understand that. And they could have done him wrong. They could have sent him to Toronto, a wasteland right now. Um, they could have sent him to Orlando. They could have sent him anywhere else. But I think Portland did end up hey, we can't get you to Miami, but we're going to put you in a winning situation. And I think that's more than what he could have asked for. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up, too, because I seen the article um, was released about six hours ago where Chris Haynes from Blazer Report um, interviewed Dame Lillard. And like you said, the article does mention that he wanted to – Dame wanted to have his trade request rescinded if he couldn't get to Miami. But essentially, the Blazers GM, Joe Cronin, was like, um, no, that can't happen. There's no point of return. Um, so he wanted him to, you know, have to uh, find a situation that was both beneficial to both parties. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I honestly um, don't have a problem with what happened. I think it's actually good for the league that that this worked out, um, that what transpired actually did, because that was sending a bad message to the league. Yet again, a player 
essentially has no leverage. He has no, he doesn't have a, a, a no trade clause. Um, he has like several years left in the deal. It's not like he's going to be a free agent next season. And he gets what he wants again. Like that would, that would be a bad <laughs> look for the league, right? I really think so. So I'm not mad. And I see a lot of people who are feeling, uh, who are feeling, bad, who are feeling sad for Dame. I got my cousins in Miami who were complaining, of course, and they thought they were going to get them and everything. But I mean, it is what it is, man. Like they, they feel like that Miami did not have a package that was worthy um, for them to trade Dame Lula. So they went with the best deal that they thought was the best on compensation. Where they get a Drew Holiday, where they with them more than likely going to trade for assets. You get um, DeAndre Ayton, who fits the timeline with the Blazers' core right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not really mad at it at all. I think it's I think it's a good thing that this happened. Absolutely, I, and especially with all those uh, situations that you were saying, uh, James Harden comes to mind uh, <laughs> with wanting his way out in in getting to the location that he wants, and now he's at a standstill in Philadelphia. It's good to see that the organization and the player, hey, we can't get you here, but we can still work something that puts you in the best situation. And especially it looks good on Portland, right? Because everybody was thinking, hey, they're going to trade him somewhere. If they're not going to trade him to Miami, they can't get those assets. They're just going to trade him wherever. It's like an arms race, right? And I think the Blazers made out good on this deal. I think either way it was a win for them. Um, they can move forward with their young core. DeAndre Ayton comes in obviously trying to rebuild his image, rebuild his status around the league and stuff like that. I feel like that's a good fit for him because they definitely need a center. He gives them a different dynamic. But just in general, just being able to look from the Blazers standpoint and saying, hey, we did good by a superstar. That did good by us. You can do good business. It doesn't have to be a stab in the back situation. Um, no hard feelings. It wasn't dirty. They didn't try to drag it out and make it anything uh, media driven and saying, hey, this is on Dame or anything like that. So if it, to have that actually happen when we see deals not always go that way. Uh, we see organizations and GMs get mad at players and stuff like that and go on tirades in the public and stuff like that. It's good to see that this was just handled professionally. <laughs> exactly, man. Not me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bit at the end of the day, like, yeah, they want to do right by day, but at the same time, they want to get a fair compensation and they have to like take their team into consideration. And Hey, and if Cronin blew it and got a terrible, um, got a terrible return for that. That could have possibly cost him his job and ruined his reputation around the league. So yes, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, Drew Holiday, uh, like I mentioned, is most likely going to be traded, and it's reported that six teams, um, several teams rather, are eyeing him, including the Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, Sixers. Um, where do you think that he will end up? Honestly, Boston. If he ends up on Boston, that would be crazy, considering the fact that a lot of people, Celtics fans, as you sure you can attest to this. Are very mm. upset that the Boston parted ways on Marcus Smart in, in favor of um, Chris Espenzingas. You get Drew Holiday there, who is essentially the same level of, of a defender. I think better a better offensive player to go <laughs> along with Derek White, Jalen Brown, and just stay on the perimeter. That's scary. Uh, yeah, I would think I would think that Boston getting him would probably be the best fit. Probably be a little more uh, a little bit of a revenge for. Uh, towards Milwaukee, like, hey, you thought you got rid of me on the West Coast? <laughs> I'm still here. I'm going to be in your. I'm going to now. I'm guarding Damian Lillard, most likely in the, the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see you guys again, and I know you guys. So there's that element of it. Um, definitely with Boston, it would have to be probably Malcolm Brogdon, um, Robert Williams in a pick, or they. I think they can put in uh, Pritchard, Brogdon, and try to make the numbers work. I think they can get an exception in there. I'm not sure how that works, but. Um, 
but in general, I just thought, again, Boston is the obvious choice because of fit and stuff like that, and especially just losing Marcus Smart. But it's like outside of that, it isn't like the asset where the Bucks were sending Drew Holiday so the Blazers can flip him right in terms of that asset. Malcolm Brogdon is kind of like, I don't want to say damaged goods around the league, but when the Clippers deny your physical, you know, fail you for your physical around the league, and the Clippers have a long history of accepting physicals, players with bad injuries. They denied that request for Malcolm Brogdon, who they actually need a point guard with out there in L.A. So I don't see Malcolm Brogdon being as hot in the league right now in terms of that flippable asset, that contract that you can trade. Um, and especially with the commitment that the Celtics are apparently making to Derek White, I don't know if they're going to flip him for Drew Holiday. Um I said in a video yesterday, uh, I did a quick little video on it yesterday about maybe potentially this is somewhere that uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell fits. <laughs> they figure out a way to trade him. The Lakers have those picks there. Um, Philadelphia, I don't really see anything outside of uh, – obviously, they want to get rid of James Harden, but it's like if I'm maybe – You would want you, you – you want one uh, Maxi if you're in Portland. And, and yes, you want a young player. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's already been like, they already said, hey, we're not trading him. <laughs> so it would have to be a major deal in order to make that happen. And, and I don't know if you want to get into Philadelphia at any point, but it's just like Joel Embiid is watching all of this happen, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not going to be, I don't know how they get in the arms race for uh, a Drew Holiday. Um I just don't know. Again, the Boston Celtics are probably the the favorite in terms of landing him because I think that that's the best fit. Miami's obviously another way. I think Kyle Lowry has an expiring deal. They can probably work on a buyout and yeah, make something are, from there. Are the, are the Blazers going to willing to do um, to do work with um, Miami after all that happened with Dame? Like, are they going to work I, from the, I think the Blazers are going to work whatever who has the best assets. If the if the if the Miami Heat come with two draft picks, two firsts, two seconds, uh, a young player, and then Kyle Lowry on that, I think they're more than willing to accept that. Um, now, yeah, I just think that's a better. I think that I think that that's a more workable trade for asset, right? Because when you're trading Dame, you're trying to get something monumental back. You're trying to get picks, cap relief, things of that nature, but. In terms of what Miami is for Holiday, the price, the axing price is probably going to be a little different, right? So I think that can work out a little bit better than most places in the league. And I feel like Miami's desperate. I feel like Miami's really desperate and needs something because they did lose Gabe Vincent. They did lose uh, Max Struess. And they really didn't make any improvements over the offseason. So I feel like they will be – and if, they, if anyone's really desperate in the Eastern Conference, it's Miami because they've been gutted a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about like Miami being desperate. This is kind of weird that they have they have several shots to get like all star caliber superstar talent on their team the past several offseason, and they failed to get anybody since Jimmy. Um, I know that I know those that were linked to Kevin KD, linked to Spider Mitchell, linked to Dame Lillard now, and linked to, linked to Bradley Bill, and they failed to, to to do this. I'm wondering how is this happening, considering the fact that you know it's Miami. It's a it's a nice lifestyle, warm weather, state, um, no state income tax, and they and they're like striking out with all these like pivotal, uh, all these key players. Um, yeah, and, and especially just Miami being a viral of the Boston Celtics, seeing them a lot of the time, seeing 
being I like Jimmy Butler as a player, um, respecting the Heat, Pat Riley and his stewardship over there and his executive um, history there. It's been really weird. I think they kind of uh, been able to bet on themselves a lot. And I think you see that with their roster, kind of signing Duncan Robinson to that huge deal a couple of years ago, signing Tyler Hero, bringing in Kyle Lowry, extending him. They kind of put themselves in a couple bad contracts that are not as flexible to trade. And I feel like that's kind of hindering that process of trying to find a superstar, find another budding superstar next to Jimmy. Bam has improved. Of course, we saw in the playoffs and stuff like that. But in terms of getting that stability of a of a next superstar for them or somebody to transcend the franchise, it really hasn't happened because I feel like they gave up their, their assets in terms of draft picks. I think they send a couple picks to, uh, for Kevin Love. Uh, Kyle Lowry, I mentioned earlier, they send picks to Toronto. So they don't have those draft assets to really entice a team to give up a franchise player or a contract with a young player to make it happen. And I feel like that's kind of been the roadblock for Miami. And you figured they would find a way to do that, and it's just like they – right now they're kind of stuck. <laughs> mm. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that this, will, this trend will change in the near future. Right, I mean, they're gonna have to, they're gonna land somebody eventually, right? I mean, and I forgot to mention a, a great, stable organization with arguably being one of the greatest coaches in NBA. Well, definitely one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, mm-hmm. one of the greatest executives in NBA history, arguably the best executive in NBA history, and Pat Riley. Like, something's gotta change. I mean, we saw what happened in the finals. Like, yes, they were a great team. Like, they definitely over exceeded. Um, um, yeah, you know, they over exceeded the expectations. Um, but when it came to the NBA Finals, they were just certainly just lacking talent, and that was displayed mm-hmm. after they lost on five to the, the Nuggets. So I think that, and I, and I kind of think that Dan wanted to go there in that situation, as opposed to a situation like Milwaukee, because I think he wants to like be the best player on the championship team, or mm-hmm. like in contention, or like, or like you know you can debate whether or not he's the best player on the championship team, whereas in Milwaukee. I already know that Giannis is going to be the best player on the on the on the um, Milwaukee Bucks if they win the championship, right? You won't get that, but at the same time, he'll still be very pivotal to the success of them, and will be. Um, I think he'll just like edge, move up in the rankings as the all-time great players in NBA history. And that's like he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to be. He's going to he's going to have his number retired in Portland. Like all that stuff. Like he he's done his part as a franchise player. Got them to the playoffs had it on his shoulders, and I'm pretty sure he wears that badge on the sleeve. He talks about loyalty and all that stuff in the past years and stuff like that. So it's like him being second fiddle to Giannis, who's in his prime, I don't think he's going to have a problem with that. <laughs> like Giannis is the man right now in the league, uh, uh, top two player. Uh, if you want to argue between him and Joker, probably top two players in the league. Um, I don't think Dame's going to have a problem with that, and especially the situation that it was in um, – he was in, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You go to, you know, it's everything's looking dark and cloudy and in Portland. And then you go to Milwaukee and it's sunny because everything is now the ball is in their court, right? Like everything's going to be on you guys now to win. It's not an organizational thing. Even with Giannis's comment saying, Hey, I'm committed to winning. Milwaukee does this move and says, Hey, now it's back on you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you guys are in the perfect situation, perfect duo to make something happen. All-star, 10-time All-star, Damian Lillard, Giannis, NBA champion, make it happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the Bucks have done everything that they needed to do in order to make Giannis happy, in my opinion. 
and really put something forth to be like, hey, we're doing our best here. We're showing you that we're doing our best. Now you guys reap the rewards of that. You guys go out and get it done. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, you can go ahead. Right, sorry. Well, I was say, um, credit um, to the Buck organization for like actually being aggressive and now listening to all the signs, the signals that Giannis was sending over the last few years. They went out, they heard him before, they got Drew Holiday, they won a championship, they heard him again recently, they went out, made a, made a tough decision to trade uh, Drew Holiday, but in return, they get uh, one of the most potent offensive players in the league and Dame Lillard. So, kudos to them. This is how small markets should be. They shouldn't, they have to be, when you got a player of Giannis's magnitude, a once in a generation type player, you can't take that for granted. You got to do what you got to do to make sure that you can keep them long term. So, I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, especially for them, especially what you just said, a small market's being aggressive. Um, and I kind of think about this like with Cleveland, kind of think of that with Memphis. Like they have been able to make moves and build good rosters and build good teams. But Milwaukee's showing you, hey, there's a level above this. Hey, we go all in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we do not – once we have a, a superstar, we do not play around. We don't do this buttoning contract. We don't try to trim the fat and look for smaller contracts or guys that we can sign for minimum deals. We go all in and we get the job done. Like that's something that uh, uh, smaller markets can take a, a, a page out of, right? Like they can learn from that. Like, hey, if we got something here, strike when it's hot. <laughs> and Milwaukee has been able to do that twice. Well, apparently twice now. So kudos to them, especially. Exactly. And I'm sure that they're not done making moves. Um, I, would, I would assume that this is going to be a – uh, destination for players in the in the buyout market when that point of when that point rise in February. Absolutely, uh, what they have. So they're not done making moves. I know a lot of people are, are questioning their depth right now, but this is just this is still a work in progress. I think. Um, mm -hmm. What do you see this new tandem with Giannis and Dame stacking up against the rest of the duels in the league? Because I still I still I still got um, Joker and Jamal Murray the best duel in the league, primarily because of the fact that they they can play off each other and they both are able to shoot the ball, which allows that to, to, to really fit up the floor. Whereas that's not going to be the case with the Bucks. But um, in terms of in terms of best duos, they're probably they're right up there. I mean, you can't um, you can't ignore what Joker and Jamal Murray have done. They're the champions. They dominated all last season. They put it to real really together over the course of the playoffs. Um, how dynamic their offense is, as you said, with the shooting and the basketball. And the ability to do that and keep pressure, even though they're not – you don't think of those guys as defenders, right? Like, Nikola Jokic is probably average on defense. Jamal Murray holds his own at his position, but they're not overwhelming. They're not making any defensive first teams. So, you look at that from that standpoint. I always love Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, especially the, the two-way potential of both those guys, the ability to score 30 on each night. Um Giannis and Dame, though, like Dame's offense is probably better than – is what I'm going to say probably is better than Jalen Brown's. Um, way more consistent shooting the ball. Um, just a better offensive player than um, Brown at this point. Maybe they uh, – Brown and Tatum could take that leap um, to the next stage. But I think uh, I put them ahead of uh, Brown and Tatum right now just for the standpoint of we've seen Giannis get it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we've seen Damian Lillard lead a franchise – so to see those two and now put them together, they obviously have to be just underneath Joker and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray and Joker were respecting their championship pedigree and what they've been able to do over the past couple of years in Denver. Um, of course, AD and LeBron, if LeBron is healthy, if AD is healthy, they're going to be right there. So they're probably in that mix right there. They're, they're definitely top five, probably top three in my eyes. But 
yeah, they're they're up there. You don't you don't put that <laughs> you don't put a thirty game point per game score next to MVP and then have them outside of anything less than three, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so you have them as the best team in the Eastern Conference, or you said you still get that nod to Boston? I'm still I'm still holding on to the Celtics because I'm like I've seen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get it done. We've seen, of course. We've seen, of course, Giannis get it done with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and stuff like that. But I think it's the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, I think the Celtics have realized that they have to get it done, especially trading Marcus Smart. That Definitely that's a blow to them. But I think if Christoph Porzingis is healthy, he's an upgrade over Horford in my eyes at that position, uh, especially from a scoring standpoint, something that the Celtics desperately needed. Al Horford was able to do that in spurts in the past, but I think last season he kind of gassed out. Um, now they can put him – yeah, now he's getting older. I think he's like 37 or something like that. Um, about that. So now, now they can pace him. Now they can bring him along, use him in those bright spots. Maybe they can still guard Giannis one more time. <laughs> you know, maybe have him go out there and try to, like, hold up. But in, res- in maybe 25, 25, 20, 25 minutes a game now, rather than playing 30 high 30s that he was doing over the course of the playoffs and things of that nature. So I think the Celtics do have a different – point of flexibility of course the latest move with Dame and and joining Giannis that's going to have a little bit more of an impact in news and media work but I'm not going to forget about what the Celtics did last year especially even though they faltered late Um, but there's something that was brewing there I think the Celtics are still on the 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 doorstep of that and and it's between them and it's between the Celtics and the Bucks like those are even before this trade (laughs) with Dame Lillard I was like it's the Celtics and the Bucks because I think the rest of the East is kind of in flux right now, especially with what's going on in Philadelphia. Um, I don't think the Knicks or the Cavs are right there to take the next step there. But, yeah, to me, it's the Celtics and Bucks. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. It's interesting to see what's going to happen and when the season um, gets underway. And like you said, like, we, like you said earlier, um, it's been relatively a slow offseason, but this news that has happened, that just dropped yesterday, um, that's like a Wolves bomb of all Wolves bombs. Crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we can wrap up um, right now. Um, anything planned for your pod come, in the next couple of days? Though? Uh, we've uh, we recently just wrapped up. I posted one today going over Jade Cargill signing with WWE. Um, we looked at AEW Wrestle Dream um, as well as NXT No Mercy, which is this Saturday. Uh, we also talked about the WWE releases that recently happened. The Shockers there, um, and the basketball news is picking up as well. So hopefully we can get something going there. Um, a couple of previews that I've been working on, a couple of questions I've been working on. So, yeah, things are going to start picking up. October is full of everything right now, wrestling, football, basketball. <laughs> there's a fight on Saturday, Charlo versus Canelo. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to um, – I'm leaving for Dallas tomorrow. I'm going to the Pats game out there on Sunday. So Oh, sweet, sweet. Sweet. Uh, so – our next part won't be until Wednesday, but now that the NBA is um coming, like, is coming soon, I think I'll start doing some pods, uh, focus on the NBA too. Yep, yep. Well, all right, man. I don't want to um keep you that much longer, so I appreciate you for coming on this pod, kind of last minute. Um, but we'll be in touch, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir, man. Take care. You too.
All right, so here is part two of this pod, reaction to the WWE signing Jade Cargill. So, Jade Cargill is officially with WWE. News broke out. I remember first getting that, um, getting the news from my mans. Um, sent me the, the IG post around in the morning on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, that's I'm like, whoa, ESPN's reporting this. What's going on? Then you're seeing all these, like, all these views is getting. I looked at it today. Is that that post um, on Twitter or X, whatever, the WWE's initial announcement, that post got 15 million views right now. That's crazy. So, this, and then you see her later on, they have her walking into the performance center, hash snapshots of her working out in the performance center that day. So, this is like not your typical signing, right? This shows that they have big, big plans for her. But at the same time, I feel like they're giving a middle finger to AEW. <laughs> What were your thoughts about um, Jade going to WWE when you first heard the news? I mean, I think I think from the beginning of her career, like when she debuted at AEW, it was very clear that Jade is someone who's in the the mold of what WWE wants. Her mm. presentation, you know, she has a very unique look. She's like very athletic. Um, it almost seemed like. In AEW, it almost seemed it did seem like a big fish in a small pond kind of scenario, mm. where at least aesthetically, I think she stood out so much from the other women on that roster. That's not to take away from them, right? Not the other women, but I think you know, like they AEW, they gave her the TBS title. Um, she had that undefeated streak for a long time. And it just seemed like she was in a different stratosphere than everyone else in that in that women's locker room. And um, I mean, I think it's an indictment against AEW that Jade never never competed for the women's world title. Um, yeah. She's always relegated to like just the TBS championship, which is sort of like the women's mid card title. So, I mean, I do agree with you that her signing to WWE is sort of like an F you to AEW of being like, okay, we're going to take this person, we're going to make her a star in a way that you guys couldn't. Um, and it, to me, it seems very, very reminiscent of with Cody. Um, Cody leaving AEW and arguably becoming a way bigger star in WWE and raising his profile and, you know, the WrestleMania main event and stuff like that. I think, I think AEW, like, being is going to stop. Like, any wrestler, um, basically, any wrestler that WWE wants who's on the AEW roster, I think eventually they will pop over there, especially the way that they're rolling out the red carpet for Jade right now. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, like the way that they're rolling it out, that would probably be enticing to current AW stars whenever their contract comes up and that they're, they're going to be, um, you know, courted by WWE. If they've seen that, that Jade's getting on the club, they can probably imagine the same thing's going to happen to them too. Right. Um, yeah, you're right. Like with Jade, I was just thinking to myself, I always thought to myself, um, I think we got to talk about you talk 
about this to you on this part too as well. I just felt like with an AEW, she hit a ceiling. Like she had no more room for growth. And it's not necessarily it's not her fault necessarily because like AEW doesn't have a developmental program like WWE does with NXT. They don't do any house shows, so she's not getting the necessary rep that she needs to become a much better wrestler. And the fact that I hated the fact, like like you mentioned earlier too, that, that she was just relegated to the TBS championship. I always thought to myself, for her to grow, she has to be involved in feuds with the big dogs in AEW, whether it's Soraya, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, but she's just not fighting them. Like this doesn't make any sense that she's so dominant. This is kind of this kind of seems kind of productive. You're having her be like going through everybody um, with the TBS championship. Why not just elevate her to the championship picture? Right. What's going on here? Now, maybe it's because they didn't think that she's ready because of her in-ring, her lack of in-ring experience and so forth. But I, I would just say, F it, man. She's a big star. She, she's going to draw eyeballs to your product. You might as well just put her in the, the spotlight and have her in the championship picture. And I can't believe that they didn't do that when she was there. I also feel like that argument of she's not ready, like, that doesn't necessarily hold water, like, when it comes to the AEW women's division. Like, they don't... I mean, I don't know. You can argue, like, okay, Britt Baker was a standout at some point. Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose. But other than that, it's not like it's a really deep roster. And even now, it's like Soraya's their women's champion. And um, she's lost a couple steps in terms of her angering work. I agree. So... I mean, I feel like she should, like, Jade should have held the women's title, you know, instead of the TBS title, because that made more sense booking wise. And again, I think that would have drew ratings uh, towards the product that is AEW. I don't think, I think that that was a misstep by Tony Khan. Um, but again, it's a young company, it's only four years old. A lot of people are killing them. And, and you know, I've seen it all over social media. That, that this is a big loss for them. I'm like, it's a, I don't know if it's a big loss. It's a loss, but there are rumors that Edge is going to make his way over there. I think I just saw today that he's officially being removed from the internal roster. Yeah. WWE. Um, and then, so there's rumors about him appearing at Wrestle Dream on Sunday. I don't yeah. know if that's true, but we'll see. And there was a report that Mercedes Monet, aka Sasha Banks, when she's cleared to return uh, from her injury, she will be making appearances at AEW as well. I don't know if that was, I, it doesn't sound like it will be full time. Kind of sounds like a, like a part time thing. But hey, that would that would do wonders for the for the product as well if they were able to get Sasha Banks down there and Edge. I mean, yeah. I mean, if those those two scenarios happen, I will think that AEW is more on an even playing field with WWE because those would be two huge gets. Um, you know, Edge like at this stage of his career, I think he still has a lot left in the tank. Absolutely. I would love to see him reunite with Christian because right now Christian is doing like, I would say Christian is doing probably the best heel work in all of professional wrestling right now. It's like, he's a savage. He's a savage on the mic. Like, he is good. You know? Yeah, yeah I would not lie. He is good. So I can see them reuniting, and um, yeah, if that happens, like I will say that it will sort of lessen the L that that AEW has taken from Jay leaving to a degree. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't think that this is like a 
this is like the nail in the coffin for AEW, and they still have some life left here. Um, but to get back to Jay, um, did you listen to that podcast I sent you? I think I sent it to you because it's the same day that she that the news came out. She was on the, the Ringer Wrestling Show <laughs> for an interview. Not even WWE. That's crazy. The same day. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was just very coordinated, you know. Like, absolutely. Did you did you listen to it? Uh, no. I I read like the crib notes of what happened. I didn't get a chance to listen to it though. I mean, basically paraphrasing, she was just saying that like the, the, this is where she wanted to be initially. This is going to be do wonders for her brand and her career, and she wants to like you know compete at the highest level. Go against all the all the big dogs in the company, the Biancas, Charlottes, Beckys. Um, she wants to compete with them all and take them all down one by one as she needs to to get to her spot. So that's what she was saying essentially in a nutshell. And it was just interesting to hear that. And it was just crazy when I saw the visuals with her, her speaking with the WWE logo behind her like that. That's crazy. Oh. This is really, really happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, now, how do you think that they should go about Introducing her to the masses of the WWE universe because this, this, see, this is kind of kind of whack, man. This is why I really appreciate the era I grew up in, right? Like, imagine if the internet was out when Hall came to WWE to WWE. Sorry, the, the Nitro, right? When he right. came on Nitro, imagine the internet was around then. That would be so whack. There would be no suspense. You would have there would be no shock value. It would be ruined because the internet would spoil it for you. Now, this, I feel, I'm not going to say this has just as much of an impact as Hall going to WCW, but this is kind of crazy. It's sending shockwaves, a lot of, a lot of me, uh, media attention on Jay going to, w, to WWE, but the fact that we know about it way in advance, it kind of takes away from when she's actually going to arrive, because they could have, well, they, they couldn't have like, kept it under wraps because the internet is just out there. So, with the fact that, the fact that they took this route to do this crazy rollout for her, I think that her introduction will be relatively big. So how do you think that they will um, go about um, bringing her out? Um, I mean, I'm like of two minds about it. Like maybe WWE's rationale is that, like let, let's say they, they debut Jade like as a surprise, like in the Rumble or something. Like mm -hmm. I wonder if their rationale is like, do enough people watch AEW and know that who she is and would she have gotten like a huge pop if she came out like during the women's Royal Rumble like I think what they're doing is they're marketing her uh, preemptively so that when she debuts people know who she is mm. Those who are not already familiar with her, because they said like AEW is still a, a small promotion yeah. to kind of WWE. So people who aren't familiar with her are going to know about her through what they've heard so far since she's been signed to WWE. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. AEW is not necessarily for the casual fans, as like the hardcore fans would know. But I think, like, they, I think they went the correct route, like. Um, with the tie-in with ESPN, like making it seem like it's a big deal and hyping her up. And we still don't know, we still don't know if she's going to be on the NXT brand. We still don't know like if she's gonna be on the main roster, like on Raw or SmackDown. So there's still like an element of intrigue on like how 
she's going to debut. You know? Well, supposedly it's already been determined where she's going to be. I, I think I saw a quote from her that, that, that confirms that. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see where she's going to end up at. But to my thinking, I'm like, can they really have her come out in NXT after all this hype? Doesn't make any sense. I feel like they have to do it on your flagship shows, your premiere shows, like the SmackDown and Raw, right? Um, she had to be a part of those brands. And I think that really makes sense to me. But at the same time, Becky is now the champion. So I'm guessing you could have her kind of have have a few with Becky Lynch to, to, to help introduce her to the WWE universe. Yeah. That can, that can work. I mean, the only the only rationale I would see for her going straight to NXT is if they truly feel like she needs more time to develop. But to your point, it's like WWE as that machine, like with the performance center, it's like they have those phenomenal coaches that are going to help Jade develop in the ring probably more than she has like in the last couple of years in AEW. So she may not need to um, be in developmental. At the same time, I do think like they need to, if she does go to the main roster, like they need to protect her and not have her do like, I don't know, like 15, 20 minute matches, not have her like do matches that require like a high work rate. Just have her go in there. She can squash a couple people, you know, and um, I don't think she necessarily has to go for a title right away, but um, she can establish her dominance and then go for a champion. Um, if she does, if she does go on the main roster, because you know the the thing is like they they don't want to risk like overexposing her at this point. Um, I don't know. Just give her like sort of like a Goldberg type run. You just have her do a bunch of squash matches, and then you know have her have her work her way up and have her um, go against like the Charlottes, the Beckys, the Biancas, you know whoever. Oscar, like there's a lot of interesting possibilities for her matchup wise. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking maybe she can like have her be some some a type some type of like enforcer, um, of some sort, you know, trying to and then and then have her like do like a couple of, a few squash matches here and there too as well. That could be a route they can take, but who would she be an enforcer to? Maybe the maybe the hurt the. The Hurt business. I don't know if they're fish of the Hurt business revamp. Be down with Montez, Hawkins, and uh, Bobby Lashley. That'd that, be dope. Yeah. Yeah, I can see her. She'd kind of be like their, their Rhea Ripley, like sort of fill that role. Exactly. Now, I think that she's going to have to be, have to make her first appearance, has to be at a PLE. It can't be on SmackDown, Raw, NXT. I think it has to be at a PLE. Are they gonna wait though until Survivor Series to do that, or or the Rumble? I think the Rumble's too far away, though. That's the thing. Exactly, too far away. I, I, I would think I would think Survivor Series. I don't know. I and mean, they there's been no mention if it's gonna be War Games again or the, the traditional Raw vs SmackDown or Raw vs SmackDown NXT. Um, haven't heard anything about that yet. But she could be come out as a as a she could be in the whatever the eliminate uh, traditional elimination match if they have that, or even a War Games. Yeah, I mean, I think that would make sense to put her in a um, a match like as part of a team because then, you know, she doesn't have to be in the ring for that long. Um, mm-hmm. 
and that can avoid the overexposure and uh I don't know if there's like another pay-per-view in December or something, but I think I think the hype she has to debut like on a big four at this point. You mean uh Royal Rumble, Mania, some right. uh some of the exactly that's what, I, that's what I think. Yeah. You gotta keep you gotta keep what you you gotta keep the tradition going. This month's hype gotta be one of those four pay-per-views. It's gotta be. Who would you want to see her potentially? I mean, she did talk about her dream opponent, her dream matches she would love to have. Personally, who would you like to see her um, go against? Or who do you think would be um, probably the best um, partner for her or wrestler that she can feud with right now early on in her WWE career? So I guess my answer to this question is contingent on is she going to be a heel or a face when she debuts? She has to be a heel. I, I, I think she's built to be a heel. I mean, I think so, too. I think, like, I mean, the way that they're they're presenting her with the hype and stuff, it's like, you know, maybe they'll have her be initially a baby face. But if she's a heel, then... Uh, so, ultimately, I think she should go against Bianca, but I don't think that this should be, like, her first feud, like, the Bianca feud should be like Mania or something like that. Like, they Which should... is what I've seen everybody. There's been so many photoshops, uh, posters <laughs> from Bianca Belair versus Jay Cargo since the, since the news broke. So I think everybody feels the same way. Everybody wants to see that eventually down the road, whether it happens initially or, like you said, at Mania. Yeah, because it's like, I, I feel like they've sort of been occupying the same space respectively like in wwe and AEW. um you know they're both obviously they're both black women they're both super athletic they're both like you know very beautiful it's like there's all these like parallels between them and for years people have, have been wanting this kind of match the fact that it can be a possibility is pretty awesome I yeah it's kind of like Kind of like Marvel versus DC, basically. In a sense, right? Basically, <laughs> and and it's crazy. And both essentially weren't really like wrestling wasn't their first like like their first love. They kind of like just fell into it. I mean, they're both just like crazy athletic. They 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 they're built for it, but it wasn't really their first love, which is crazy. Right. Exactly. And that's um that's kind of where like the future is going with like a lot of wrestlers is like. You know, they have backgrounds like in NCAA sports or whatever, and then they transition to wrestling. Um, and, you know, sometimes it really works out, and then sometimes it doesn't. But I think that's kind of the future now is, like, there's not really going to be uh, wrestlers coming from, like, the indies as much. Mm. Um, I'm, th I'm thinking right now, initially, well, not initially, well, yeah, initially, I think I, I could see her having a, some good matches and a good feud with Charlotte Flair. I don't know why I think that. Maybe because I feel like they have, like, I, like the same type of build, in a sense. I mean, Jade's a little bit uh, is more more cut. But they have like, the same type of build I think that, 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 that they can, like, gear styles can, can work well together in the ring for a match. And I think that since Charlotte is a veteran, she can, like, show the ropes a lot. Right. Um, she, can push, she can put her over, too, as well. And that make it be believable, which will benefit Jade and propel her in the WWE rankings amongst fans. So I think that that's a good um, 
that would be a good recipe for her to um, view with when yeah. she first arrives. I, yes, I also agree with that, too. I think she would improve a lot working with Charlotte. Um, and then that would be a good initial feud um, until eventually they get to Bianca and Jade. So that means that she would probably be on Smack. Oh, well, it's been, it's just with Charlotte Flair that she would be on, on SmackDown. Did you have any preference of what um, brand you look like to see her on? Or you uh, think what brand would be most beneficial for her to be on? I mean... Probably SmackDown, just because at this point, it's on Fox. It Two hours. reaches more homes. Yeah, for now, it's on Fox. It reaches more homes and stuff. I think I think she should just be on SmackDown. Right now, that roster would probably suit her better. Although, I think Bianca is on Raw, I believe. Oh, no, she's on, she's on SmackDown. No, SmackDown. Okay, so that would work out perfectly, actually. I think she should be on SmackDown, and... Um, I think that would that'd probably suit her the best right now. What about you? What you... Mm, I would probably be, I would probably go with lean towards SmackDown because there's two hours. And you do, if you were going to go the route of having to have squash matches, it makes perfect sense to be a, on a two-hour show as opposed to a three-hour show. Um, and it's Friday night. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, well, actually, yes, I think it would actually be better because you're not competing with the Monday Night Football crowd on Mondays like Raw is right now. So I think it'll be most beneficial for her to be on SmackDown. You can get those eyeballs. The Friday night, um, Jade will probably have like a probably like a like a having her can, can potentially have like a fight night type feel, to some extent at least. So it would be best for her to be on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I, I personally say stay away from AEW unless you're gonna they have a few with Becky Lynch. I think she stay away from AEW. Sorry, her. NXT. Oh, NXT, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think at this point, like like you said, all the hype that they're building up for her, it wouldn't really make any sense for her to go to NXT. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of confused that why so why Becky's on NXT now and why champion. I haven't really been watching wrestling that much with football being on now. Uh, but I think I saw some people who were like writers for for bloggers, uh, wrestling bloggers, and they're saying that essentially uh, Becky's really there to help NXT get the ratings up. Yeah, which which makes perfect sense then because she's one of the biggest stars in the company, probably a top five face. So having her be an NXT is only going to draw more viewers in. Yeah, and then the metrics have shown that it's like Becky, since she became NXT Women's Champion, like the ratings for NXT have gone up. Really? Uh, yeah, and you know that's shown that, and then also like NXT right now, they're I think they're doing a pretty good job implementing main roster. Uh, wrestlers on the show, um, but not completely like take over. Like um, you know, like like Dominic Mysterio, he's the North American NXT North American champion right now. Um, him and Rhea Ripley, they also pop ratings when they're on the show. Yeah, mm. I think I see um, Corbin's over there as well. Yep, Baron Corbin's over there as well. Um, you know, he's got a new. Uh, music, new presentation, new gear. So, and I think I think just he's there to help the NXT roster sort of be more refined in the ring. Like he's there as like a veteran presence and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
even though Becky's there, Becky's a big name, I still think Jade should not shouldn't go to NXT. Yeah, at this point, I think it's it's just gonna be not gonna do her justice. Um, if they're gonna start off at NXT with all this hype that's been surrounding her, especially if, like you said, with the people who aren't familiar with uh, with uh, with her, her her work in AEW, if they're not gonna feel that when once she was all the hype about, they don't want to tune into NXT. They want to see her on either Raw or SmackDown. I think that that's the common view of things when they think about those those uh, all the brands that WWE has to offer. But those two are the main ones, and that is just looks like a. A, a, a tear or two below. Right, exactly. So, yeah, um, I think Jay. I think Jay's gonna do eventually. I think that she's gonna do well. Um, I think like I, I do like the move uh, for her uh, as for her in ring for her, rather her in ring career and off and um, outside of the ring. I think that her profile is only gonna grow exactly. bigger. She's gonna get more deals. Probably, I can I can see her even like doing movies of being on TV shows. She got the look. She's, I think she's great on the mic. I have, I think that she's amazing on the mic, which is why I think she got to be a heel. She, I think it's just in her in her that she should be a heel. And it, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say a heel only, but she should be start off with being a heel. I think that that is what best suits her. And I think that people are going to, I think that people are going to hate her and like, like hate her, like, you know, affectionately, don't hate her, but they're going to view win and watch her. I think that she's going to like sell be, I think that show, sell being a heel way better than she would um, sell being a face. Yeah, because like her whole presentation, like it's there's no like, like part of being a baby face is like this sort of air of humility, right? Mm-hmm. Jade, it's like you don't get any of that because how can someone who looks like that be like humble in any sense? Like, you know, so she's going to be a heel and people are going to hate her but I think respect her at the same like sort of like with Rhea Ripley that kind of dynamic where it's like you know she's a heel but loved by the fans Mm -hmm. exactly I think those two would work really well together as well oh yeah I mean they can have like a really physical hard hitting match I think yeah no, oh, that would be good. Her and Raquel will be could be well. That could be okay. I, I'll I'll put Charlotte and Ripley ahead, um, as opposed to her and um, Raquel. But I think Raquel could be decent or good. Yeah, I mean, I think Raquel even her she needs more work. I think, and mm-hmm. the, it would be a mistake to pair her up with Jade right away. Yeah. So yeah, this good. Yeah, I I like the move. Um, again, like she didn't get the she didn't. She's only been wrestling for like what three years, so three four years now. And ironically, her best match at AEW was, was her last match against um, Statlander when I, a few weeks ago on Rampage. I was, I was, that was the best match I ever seen her um, have in her AEW career, and that was the end of her AEW career for now. At least we never know what happens in the future. But that's crazy. So I think that she's going to be great in WWE, and I can't wait to see it. Nice. Um. Well, yeah, uh, that's it. We can wrap it up here. Just wanted to you know, touch base a little bit on this uh, on this news. And cool. We can I, talk about it. I do want to ask you what you oh, sure. the recent releases that WWE has done like over the past year or so. Oh, the releases? I mean, like the past, like, uh, like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of, um, Dolph Ziggler came to a shock just because of how long he's been with the company. Um. I'm like, wow, he's been there for like, what, nearly 20 years or 20 years exactly? Close to it, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so that's crazy. 
Um, Mustafa as well. That's crazy. I didn't see that. Riddle shouldn't shouldn't really come in no surprise. There's a lot of like um, you know things outside of the ring issues that he's had throughout um, his tenure with WWE. So I can see WWE trying to like trying to like you know cut ties with him right now or not really like you know, stress it if they they did. Elias, I believe, is gone too as well. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough, man. I think that was. I think we could possibly see some of these people who get snapped up by AEW. Um, I don't know if they want to take. I don't. I don't know if they want to take a chance on Riddle. I mean, they just got rid of Punk again, so I don't know if they want to bring another person in there who's have some kind of like issues and everything who could possibly be a problem in the locker room with with um, down there in AEW. So I don't know if they want to like take that gamble, but he is kind of he is popular. So that, that could probably help their brand if everything was to go, go um, relatively smooth. But I can see Mustafa being over there and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, I think Mustafa and Dolph would be a really good fit in AEW. I, I, feel, like, I feel like they're, like they're AEW wrestlers, if that yeah. makes any sense. Especially Mustafa. I, I, I could really see him having some like a lot of like great matches with the wrestlers that they have, with the talent they already have in place in AEW. Yeah, I mean, I... I... You know, his, his style, his, like, in-ring work, I think he would be a really good fit. I'm not sure if there's, like, any, like, 90-day no-compete clauses with any of those releases. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening with. Because I think it was, like, 20-something wrestlers that ended up being released. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, I'm, I'm really not too familiar with their work. Cause I feel like a lot of them are NXT um, wrestlers, uh, for the most part. And I don't watch NXT like that. Well, I, I still don't watch it at all, but I probably should one day sit down and watch a full, a full program of NXT. I definitely recommend. You know, it's pretty. I actually NXT has a pay per view this Saturday. Um, it's actually no, no mercy. And yeah. Mustafa was, I think, I think was supposed to fight Dominic in that pay per view. So, and I, and I just see today that uh, I seen a tweet. I forgot who the publication uh, was that tweeted it, but they were saying how like a lot of like that threw a lot of people off. Mustafa get released by WWE. And they kind of pissed off because they had a lot of plans for with creators, and they kind of had to like work on the fly to like to fix um, their initial plans or like create new ones because he got released. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean that this makes sense though with the merger with uh under the TKO umbrella with UFC. So. Right. Yeah. There's some um. I think people on the administrative side that got released, like in the corporate side. So it's just part. And everybody's trying to save a dollar nowadays. I think that I think that there's still too the effects of COVID, um, and it's probably not not the end of it at all. Unfortunately, not just in the wrestling world, uh, throughout this whole country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, so anybody? Oh, Shelton Benjamin got released too, which is crazy. oh yeah, yeah, Shelton Benjamin. I mean, I think he. That's hard to say. Like, isn't he like in his early to mid forties or something? Like, yeah, he should, he should, he should be around the same age as Brock because they were roommates in college together. So, right, I think yeah, like I think early mid forties is right. So I don't know how much value he has left right now. I think he can be like an awesome agent, like in either WWE or AEW. You know, you mean um, like working behind the scenes, essentially working behind the scenes, put together, yeah, absolutely stuff like that, like trainer, like. I think he has a lot to offer. I mean, to be honest, I'm still sad about the way that they broke up the Hurt business. Like, that was, like, one of the most interesting factions that WWE had in the last mm-hmm. week. And 
the way that they just broke him up like very unceremoniously it's like they didn't really give him a chance and um i think they're trying to make amends right now with the street profit stuff but even that is like you know <laughs> they need to start get going with that because it just seems like yeah it seems real stale right now yeah. with that that whole storyline there what's going on um yeah but hopefully they can they can uh you know make up some ground well, I think it wouldn't be bad to have Jade be down with them. I don't think it would be bad, bad move at all. That'll be a perfect. I honestly hope yeah. that will be dope. Exactly. Um, but I, I guess we can uh, finish it up here. Any plans for tonight? Uh, oh, you got you got work in the morning. I mean, just <laughs> Thursday night football. That's uh, pretty much. Oh yeah, football tonight. I forgot who's playing. Um, I'm I'm actually going to Dallas tomorrow. I'm going to the game, the Pats game on Sunday out there. Oh, well, I'll be. Yes, yeah, so my flight's at four forty in the afternoon tomorrow. That's not fun. If the doubt the stadium is like huge, right? The Cowboys Stadium. I have, yeah, I never been before, so I'm trying to go to like now. I'm trying to go after last year. I went to my first ever Pats game. I went to Vegas for the Pats game when they played in Vegas. So I did that last year. So you know what? I'm gonna try to go at least um, once a year to a Pats game outside of the outside of um, Gillette. So wherever they play, I'll, I'll travel there and go to a game. So this year it's uh, Dallas. Well, I hope you have a great time because that sounds awesome. All right, thanks, man. Uh, but yeah, so listen, we will talk more about uh, wrestling in the coming weeks, and then I will uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. I appreciate you coming on as well. All right, no problem. It was a lot of fun. All right, man. Take care. Enjoy your night. And that is it for this episode. I thank you guys for your continued support. And if you're new to this pod, I hope you enjoyed. And hopefully you'll stick around for the ride as well. And be sure to hit that subscribe button as this pod is available just about every way you listen to your favorite podcasts. I include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more streaming platforms as well. Um, salute to uh, Daniel Daly, Mia, and Burley. I appreciate you guys' um, contributions to this pod. And be sure to follow my Instagram page for this pod it's the, at the Mr. Vincent pod again that is at the Mr. Vincent pod where you'll find news related to this podcast of course and news that pertains to the wrestling and sports world as well um, so I am off to enjoy the rest of my Saturday here in Dallas and get ready for the game tomorrow I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy the game whatever you do please be responsible Till next time, take care.